Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. This week on Call Your Girlfriend, we talk about um, decorating dilemmas and New Year's resolutions that are not resolved and watching too much cable news and politics, our sentient Cheeto president. And we talk to some of the amazing organizers for the upcoming Women's March in Washington. Find out more about the march at womensmarch.com. Hey. <laughs> Hi, Ann Freeman. <laughs> Happy birthday. I mean, no longer my birthday, although I do celebrate for at minimum one week. <laughs> birthday is a birthday week. I'm sorry. Like, you got to accept my birthday greeting for the next, like, six more days. Listen, I accept you. I, it is not hard to sell me on continuing to celebrate my birthday. I love my birthday. <laughs> Birthdays are a very important holiday. It's like, it is not tied to any, like, civic, religious, old school, like, nationalistic, like, holiday. I mean, it's like, it's totally just like everybody gets one, the most democratic holiday. I love them so Yo, much. Yo, <laughs> can you believe if you had to do, like, some civic shit for your birthday that would be insane exactly but i'm just saying all other holidays or days off work or like breaks you get come with some sort of like religious or like loaded civic like (laughs) meaning and like the birthday is just like the best i mean (laughs) some when when i'm king i'll put you in charge of the ministry of birth oh my god i would totally be your birthday czar (laughs) (laughs) you're like so i don't know why you just don't quit journalism and do that full-time Oh my god! I I wonder if I could like carve out a fake career as like a birthday consultant slash czar. You've definitely like, been listen. my birthday consultant. I remember when I met you and I used to like hide for my birthday, and now I do things. Oh my god! I know. Well, listen, birthdays are all about celebrating you. So I've already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm ready. I'm ready. To that's the ta- that's the tagline for Anne's birthdays. Like your your business, Anne's with a Z. Birthdays with a Z. And <laughs> just like birthdays yeah. are all about celebrating you, baby. <laughs> oh my. God, I'm totally going to get a weird party van with like Anne's birthdays on the side of it. I can't can't wait. (laughs) Did you get any good gifts? I mean, I got like a lot of really great quality time and like really lovely gestures from friends this year, which I have to say is way better. Like people wrote me really nice notes and turned up and shared their day with me. And that was the best. I'm like not to be too misty eyed about it, but I had a great day. I love I love hearing that. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Non-material birthdays. It's the new thing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Um, worry. One one day I'm going to buy you a yacht. Remember? That's my that's my rich lady promise to you. I cannot wait for that material birthday. (laughs) I'm I'm working. I'm working really hard on it. Don't worry. Oh, when when we can finally live the like Rihanna on yacht Google image That's search right. dream. When when we can quit the small potatoes podcast shit. <laughs> best lives. Um uh, tell me, how was your week? What's happening? Um, my week is going really good. Uh I was uh I'm like recovering from illness. So uh it's kind of exciting not to feel sick at all. You know, it's the small things, right? You like never remember what it's like to be like full healthy until you are. 
I know, when normal feels so good. Yeah, you're like, my breathing is normal. I just walked like three miles and I'm not dying. Like, just normal shit. Just been doing like a ton of life admin. I need to pick a color for my walls for my apartment and it is really stressing me out. It's been a month and it is intensely stressing me out. I'm like, why don't I just paint this place white? I just have like decision paralysis over paint right now. That's how people end up with, like, eggshell. They're like, I don't want to decide, but I have to decide. I know, but the thing is that, like, I could just paint it white, right? But I just, like, I just don't know. I don't know where to start. And the problem is that, like, I can't unpack most of my boxes until I make that decision. And so I've, like, given myself, like, a Friday ultimatum. Well, after this, I'm going to get a uh, Korean body scrub. And then after that, I'm going to the hardware (laughs) store to look at paint. priorities i'm like i need a body scrub and i need a xanax and then i'm gonna walk in there and i'm gonna look at a color wheel i don't know why i'm so stressed out about it 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 feels so high stakes for something that should not be high stakes at all i have to say that like making big choices about what to put in your environment around you like is kind of high stakes like i don't know i the last time i felt that was trying to buy a rug like (laughs) you know what i mean oh yeah don't don't get me started on furniture like that's its own (laughs) I had to start taking Maalox for that. That's serious. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's almost like you're starting from scratch and you're like, I could be anybody I want to be right now. You could walk into my house and be like, oh, she's that kind of person. Yeah, I'm like, I could be that girl with the blush walls, you know, but I don't know. Millennial pink? Millennial pink? No, 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 not millennial (laughs) pink, like super blush, like classy blush. Not like glossier walls, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) In fact, if anybody has like recently painted like please send me what your decision process was because white is fine like I don't know why I'm so stressed out about this I also love that like in this moment of like intense national upheaval and like a lot of like big level political stress you're like wall paint like this is how I'm channeling I totally relate (laughs) oh yeah no I am riding out the Trump years via like home improvements working out and watching all of the television. That's just what I'm focusing on. So you don't want to talk about the news at all? <laughs> uh, I don't know what's in the news. I mean, I watched the press conference and I legit lolled. And it honestly like made me feel better. I feel like I turned a corner this week. I just like heard him talk and it was such a disaster nightmare. But it was hilarious at the same time. This is going to be really bad. Like, I don't want to make a joke of it. Like, it is going to be bad. But wh- I can have a sense of humor about it and I can pace myself. I mean, it's almost hard, like, it's interesting, like, when you, when I kind of tune in to his actual ways of talking, it's just like an obstinate toddler or something, (laughs) and it's so far, it's so far outside the realm of what you expect from, like, public decorum or, like, public discourse that it's hard to sort of take it seriously. I know it sounds screwed up. I mean, obviously, it's it's super, super serious, but... I was reading a transcript of like the, the Cheeto and a CNN reporter where the CNN reporter is attempting to ask like a totally basic run of the mill question. And then he got, yes. he got shut down. That was and, amazing. Uh, I mean, and like, and the toddler is like, no, 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 <laughs> no. And in fact, you know? he said, you are fake news. And that's when I lost it. I just like laughed so hard. This is just like theater. Like the whole thing is just like high performance art right now. And it's and wild. What I'm trying to figure out is, is stuff like the press conference, is it really theater? Should we be writing it off because it's like just him playing around? Or is it like really real and to write it off as theater is to downplay like the truly terrible things that are, that are like also, you know, transpiring in Congress and in like federal agencies. Well, I don't know. I think that like 
we can like operate on both levels because one one thousand percent why it's theater. <laughs> so they brought in this like lady lawyer to be like, here's why I'm not divesting anything. You know, like he made her explain it. The lady lawyer was like so flat. She kept referring to like the Trump brand. It was like pretty incredible. The heart of this matter is that there are like actual ethical requirements to being president, right? And oh, really? that's wow. what like, like, <laughs> and like, fi- like financial, <laughs> like financial, like shit is like up. Instead of addressing that, their whole frame for why they were doing this press conference is she was like, listen, he could sell his business, but that would really suck for him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, listen, I didn't go to law school. I also heard the word emoluments like everybody on November 9th. I'm not even trying to pretend like I know like what the deal is with like government ethics. I know as much as like the next person knows. But the thing about that is fascinating is how they just like treat you like you're stupid. You're like, I know how to read, lawyer lady. This is wild. Also, like I know what a conflict of interest is. But here was the like best part of the press conference. Next to her, there was this table. You know how like whenever the police does drug busts, they're like, here's all the cocaine that we found in this one. <laughs> Where it's, house. it's all it's all laid out like things organized neatly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she had a table next to her of just like these like manila folders full of paper. Nobody explains what the deal is. Literally one hour into the press conference when like baby boss has decided that he's like done, he goes, he's like, oh, by the way, all of these papers are, um, they're all my deals that I have to like give up and all the deals that we're not doing. And I was like, I need somebody to go up to that table and open one manila folder because I guarantee you it's blank paper. Well, it's just like, it's like a piece of blank paper with like a, a smiley face with its tongue sticking out on it. Yeah. On it that, that just yeah. says, you got got. <laughs> yeah. like, is... It's like a Pepe drawing or something. Yeah. You like, know, yeah. and then that was the part where I was like, you know what? Like, like this shit happens in like Africa and like, you know, like warm countries all the time. And we're always like, they're corrupt. They're like, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of. I don't know, made me feel warm inside as somebody who's from a corruption country that like this stuff happens everywhere. You know? It's yeah, just that like, no one oh. is above it. You're just like, oh, you just need like the guy who's like, I don't care. And then like, this is what happened. He's like, I'm putting my son-in-law here. I'm giving my daughter this, like my sons are getting this thing. Like, you know, it's just like nobody's above nepotism. It's beautiful. And, <laughs> but it's, it's like obviously like very serious, but at the same time, like it's like literally we have a baby for president. And he's just like screaming all the time. I agree that like that level of absurdity and you know all of that is terrible. But like stuff like the the session, the Jeff Sessions confirmation process. This being someone who has a very distinct and clear, basically like record as an institutional racist. Like if you wanted to make a CV for like what qualifications? <laughs> yeah, being it's super like usually into- their their first names are Jefferson and their middle names are Beauregard. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, I'm just, I'm like, I know that the game sucks, but I'm like, you have the name structure of like an institutional racist. Like, that's not my fault. I don't, I I don't make the rules. And the record to back it up, he isn't just a pretty name. He's got, (laughs) you know, he's like, he's like, listen, I've been blocking black people from becoming judges since before you were born. Yeah, it's like I've been doing it since like Reconstruction times. What do you know? I've been, I've been deconstructing Reconstruction for like decades. So. There was an amazing exchange, though, during his con- the first um, 
at like outcomeable hours of his confirmation hearings when uh <laughs> you know the other suspicious name in congress lindsey graham <laughs> who I, i've like, heard your theories about him <laughs> you know i have such a soft spot for lindsey graham because he's like a single man and he also like just he hates Trump as much as I do. But this exchange was like, it was like fast, like it was crazy. I was just like, are you, can we rewind this? This is nuts. It's when he was like, man, doesn't it suck that people just think that you're racist because you're Southern? He's like, I know how that feels. And Jeff Sessions like, I know how that feels. And they like bond over that. And I was like, oh what? We don't think that you're racist because you're from the South. We think that you're racist because your record is racist. <laughs> exactly. Because you've literally done nothing that is like <laughs> nothing but racist things um, that are like also like deeply institutionalized, like having to do with the criminal justice system, how like politicians get elected. Like, I'm sorry, like the basic. Right. Like, I'm not as I'm not asleep here. I know how to read. You know what right. I mean? But it's like, I don't know. These people are all liars. Al Franken's the only one who's like, I'm going to catch you in a deep lie, right? And then caught him in the lie of like, he hadn't actually prosecuted nearly the number of cases that he said against like KKK members. And it's just like small things. And all these people just think that like, we need to trust them because they're like honorable people. And I'm like, no, everybody's a liar until proven otherwise, especially you. Wow. I mean, also good shout out to Al Franken, which was like maybe the only time that electing a celebrity didn't go terribly wrong. <laughs> Like, right but it's like you because know also like he's smart <laughs> no i know i know i'm just saying it's like an, it's a lovely outlier to like what is otherwise a really disturbing he is time. but he's so shady oh my god there was so much shade the whole time he was like listen i'm not a lawyer and i don't know how all this lawyer talk works but this seems like and i was like that's right hit him where it hurts pretend like you don't watch law and order like me me and al franken have law and order degrees <laughs> <laughs> from NBC yeah. University. Yeah, no, but these people are all crazy. <laughs> it's just like, the whole thing is weird. And then I watched like a couple minutes of the Rex Tillerson guy. Oh and I'm God. like, you literally have the name of a villain in a Batman movie. Like, I can't take this seriously. But it's one of those things too, where, I mean, you're right. It's like, oh, wow. Like the, the racist potential, like attorney general has got like a very classically Southern racist. Name. Like, <laughs> oh, the like corporate buddy, buddy, problematic <laughs> secretary of state nominee has like also a name totally befitting like an international villain. I'm telling you, the whole thing is theater. Our president's a reality TV star. He knows what he's doing down yep. to like how he's picking these people. It's just, but it's you get like- to walk out of a theater. <laughs> Listen, we're going to get to walk out of this. It's just like whatever the damage is going to be. Some of us will. We will. Um, <sighs> in that yeah, vein. Yeah, it's just like, that's the thing, right? <laughs> it's just that like, you know, it's going to be really bad. Like, just like very bad. I know. But it's also like important to keep talking about it and important to keep saying, saying all of their names and paying attention to beyond the press conference and like tweet circus yo i call my congressman so much i'm like on first name basis with the receptionist i am tired yeah i don't know i mean the the whole like one call a day thing has been i mean i i've like i've like set a minimum like i'm gonna make one call a day at least and uh, whether it's local or like to be honest my senators are pretty good like the thank you call was an order this week thank you kamala at a certain point, I mean, I'm going to keep doing it, obviously, but it's like, it is tough to kind of feel like it matters after a while. You know what I mean? It's, it's tough like to feel like you to care because all I want to do, like I was talking, um, I called Chuck Schumer's office because he's my senator or he's one of my senators. <laughs> 
it's just like at some point I just want to be like put Chuck on the phone like I am tired of hearing all of these same like yes the senator will take this into consideration and he'll care you know like it's just like the frustration has boiled over and it's also really frustrating even when your senators are really good and like we are both lucky to live in you know like in states at least where our you know like our senators like kind of care about our politics but it is fr- it is like very 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 frustrating to still see like kind of the like grandstanding and hear them be like very conciliatory on television and all of the stuff when you're you know like you just feel the urgency that like people's lives are literally at stake and you know like and congress can be really frustrating this way you're just like do you people know this like do you people know that like people are actually worried and it's not about just like um, like being buddies with Jeff Sessions, you know, like, cause the reason that like everybody likes Jeff Sessions is because they're like, he's such a nice guy. And I'm like, great. But like racist people can be nice people too. That's crazy. Yeah. And also like, I mean, this is like a, a classic political thing that people say, right? Like, which is, oh, in his heart of hearts, he doesn't hate women or black people or like our horrible sentient Cheeto president wasn't really mocking a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter because he has a physical disability. No, no, really in his heart. He loves all these people. Just take our word for it. Like nothing infuriates me more. Like as if I really care what their feelings are. Like I care what they do. You know what I mean? And right. like, I'm signal. like, I don't know you. Yeah. I don't know you. I'm not trying to know your heart. You, you know people by their actions and that's it. I, all I see is your institutional racist resume. I don't know how friendly <laughs> you are. You might've done all of this with a smile on your face, but yeah. Yo, some people do have institutional racist CVs, just like straight up. <laughs> you're just like, wow. You're like, anytime there's a law that helps women, you like vote against it. Anytime there's right. a law that like makes it easier for people of color, you like vote. Like what? I know. This is crazy. Too much cable news for one week and I'm just like not going to. Okay. Um, but Anne, if you can literally watch <laughs> that part where like Trump tells the CNN guy, like, you are fake news, you should watch it. Because well, I read the transcript, but I will go back and watch it. I don't like yeah. the transcript does not do it justice. You need visuals because you will like you like you will die. Since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Since you're, no, Mr. President-elect, Mr. President-elect, since you are attacking our news organization, can you give us a chance? You are attacking our news organization. Can you give us a chance to ask a question, sir? Go ahead, sir. Can you state, Mr. President-elect? Go ahead. Can you state categorically? Mr. President-elect, can you give us a question? Don't be rude. You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. Can you give us a question? I'm you, not going to give you a can question. You sta- can you stay categorically? You are fake news. Sir, go ahead. Can you stay categorically that nobody. No, Mr. President elect, that's not go appropriate. Ahead. Are you going to the march in D.C.? The women's march, that is. Not the, not oh the other God. crazy you, marches. You, <laughs> not not the uh, inauguration of an obstinate Cheeto. And if you boss. went to inauguration, you would be the only celebrity the administration scored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually performing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can we announce here that we're doing a podcast live taping for the Trump family? <laughs> On January 20th. Don't even joke about that. Like, once America has fully become a fascist state and our choices are, like, do a live podcast at the White House featuring Ivanka or something or be, be like, kicked out of the country, it won't be so funny. If anymore. Ivanka invites me personally, I'll think about it. Wow. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to the what promises to be a very massive march of women and allies on the 21st of January in Washington D.C. Definitely, I will be there. No, I have not figured out my T-shirt slash sign slogan yet. <laughs> I hope you wear a big ol' fur. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I gotta work on it. I gotta, I got the squaring the cold weather with a cute protest look is what is what I've I've got to figure out next. Yeah, I'm also I'm bringing my recording equipment because I'm gonna talk to some women who are also in the streets. And so if you see me, maybe maybe I will approach you and be like, "Hello," and put a microphone in your face. That's just a heads up. <laughs> That's awesome. I will not be at the women's march, but I will be following in solidarity. I support that. We're going to need a lot of people who are like warm and not in the streets (laughs) who are uh, doing all sorts of other things. Yeah, I'll be in Park City watching movies at the Sundance. (laughs) You mean you mean controlling the future of pop culture? That's right. Um, So there there's actually a march in Park City in solidarity that I will be checking out. But if for some reason you are like me in Park City checking out movies, holler at your girl because you know, it'll be fun. I, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling a little bit of FOMO around the March just because so many of my lady friends are going, but at the same time, I'm just like, you know, I need to do this for myself. So I will remove myself from all protests. (laughs) I understand. I also think to be totally frank, I'm like, white women have a lot to account for you. (laughs) I don't think that, I mean, listen, like I am happy. I am happy to have the March be representative and inclusive for sure. But I think that there is a stronger imperative depending on how much privilege you have to like show up in person. This is like, this is very true. I'm glad that you're saying it and not me because you know that like my whole New Year's resolution is like, watch how much work the white women do to see before I join in. Totally. I actually think it's totally fair that I should be in the street and you should like maybe have your feet before a fire in Park City. I'm like, <laughs> that is actually like, you know, like I'll, like, send, and you, if I'll that- send you ski selfies. Um, oh my God, know, please like, do. I'm super excited that you're going. I'm really excited that like so many of our friends and our listeners will be there. People have been so engaged, especially in the weeks leading up to it. That's been really encouraging to me. And I think that, you know, like no matter what, it is going to make a huge impact because the whole world's going to be watching. And uh, and it's also so, it's so important to like, you know, stake your claim really early on. And it's not even like first day of the new administration and for them to know that like women mean business. Right. And on I mean, I know for me, like on a personal level. I went to the 2004 Women's March Aww, against George W. Bush. I know. And it was like a very, I have to say that it was a very foundational experience for me early in my political awakening to be physically in a space with a lot of really cool women who also wanted to change things. And so I think I'm thinking about that as well, that like, you know, going to get re-energized for myself, going because it might be some other woman's first large scale activist experience and knowing how powerful that is. I'm actually really, really excited, not thinking of it as a protest or like a, um, a show of resistance and more of like, a show of resilience and like something that's going to shore us up for future actions. Yeah. And such a powerful like recruiting tool that like, I don't know, actions like this are never things that I can get cynical about because I think that you're right. So many of us 
we like kind of find our voice and we find our, you know, like a lot of strength in being in these kinds of gatherings. They're so important, like at any, whatever stage of your like feminist, like progress you're, <laughs> you're on, whether it's like baby feminist days or you're just like grizzled old bitter <laughs> lady like me. God, this, I identify so much with second wave feminism. That's really what it is. That's why I feel like I'm older than I am. I don't know. I think that it's like so important to like gather together and just be angry together and be hopeful together and just like meet other people you know how like we don't believe in networking at this thing but like you will meet people who like care as much as you do or care more than you do and you will feel so empowered being around them and yeah we wanted to learn a little bit more about the march and how it came to be and what's going to happen there and so we have a few of the women who are part of the awesome team that's doing all the organizing here with us to talk about it. Yeah, we talked to Sarah Sophie Flicker and Tabitha St. Bernard. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Everybody's being so shy in the studio. It's very funny. Can you please both introduce yourselves and sure. tell us um, who you are in relation to the Women's March as well? My name is Tabitha St. Bernard Jacobs, and I am the Youth Initiative Coordinator for the Women's March in Washington. And um, in my real life, <laughs> I'm a fashion designer. I'm Sarah Sophie Flicker. I keep forgetting my title at the Women's March on Washington. <laughs> um, um, I'm on the National Organizing Committee. I basically think that I'm a vacuum filler. I've worked on social media, on partnerships, on artist outreach with Tabitha on the youth initiative and I have I've been tasked with the fun job of what the heck are we marching in yeah I'm excited to see this is exciting well Sarah I've known you since before this interview so Mm -hmm. uh, it's been really exciting to just watch the planning come together and how much more amplified everything has become but can you kind of walk us through what the process has been. I think that for a lot of people who are just sitting at home, and me included, like, just didn't know kind of, like, what the specifics of the march were. It was, like, the election happened, despair, and then mm-hmm. next thing we knew, we were all going to D.C., but it was really unclear. And the how many stages it of was really, Yeah, it was really <laughs> unclear, and I think there's been also a lot of both, like, misinformation and, um, like, assumptions from um, people who just, like, did not have, like, correct information. So mm-hmm. can you just kind of, like, quickly walk us through how the march has evolved from, you know, this, like, very raw day after the election to this, like, really robust organizing machine that we have now in so little time? Sure. And Tabitha, jump in. The night of the election, I think, um, a woman in Hawaii posted on Facebook that she thought women should march on Washington the the day after the inauguration. Bob Bland, who is a woman who's one of um, our co-chairs, also posted it, and Mm -hmm. maybe another woman did. They woke up the next day, and it was all over Facebook. And I think it was something, you know, something wild, like in a few hours, 10,000 people. They did an event page, right? Right. On Facebook. 10,000 people had signed up by the end of the day of the ninth. I mean, I remember watching it. It was in the 100,000 digits, people at least. These three initial women were white women. They put it up. 
and they put the Lincoln Memorial as the place to march. I think probably within a few hours of it going up, a, a bunch of people who are in the activist space saw the post, realized they didn't recognize any of the names necessarily. So all I know is that on November 9th, I was in Philly. I had mobilized 200 people to get out the vote. I was in my ho- hotel room with my daughter trying to explain to her what the heck just happened. And I get this call from Michael Skolnick, who I don't know if he's a friend of the podcast, but he should be. He um, is an amazing movement builder, organizer, just kick-ass guy. And he called me and he said, you need to lead right now. And I think he called everybody who he could think of who had any sort of leadership skills and said, we need you to lead right now. So Michael also flagged that he didn't recognize any of these women and put them in contact with Tamika Mallory, Carmen Perez, and Linda Sarsour, who are all really notable movement builders, activists, organizers, and have organized marches, really successful marches. So within a few days, the three of them had met with Bob Bland, who was one of the initial founders of the march, and they had joined forces and then just started reaching out to all their teams and networks. And I'm fairly certain that I was emailing with them on like day six, maybe. Um, And I know know specifically Tamika and Linda um, from other, you know, activist and organizing activities. And um, so I just joined in with them and Paola. Mendoza, who is also one of the national organizers. Yeah, I think that um, that was really, thank you so much for laying that out. I think it was really important because one of the the huge pieces of folklore that is out there is that the march is, um, is organized by all white women. Mm-hmm. And I know that I have heard Tamika at least say that within 72 hours of the march being started mm-hmm. that they had been they contacted right. and that they have been on it. Yeah, and the, the thing that I left out was there are three very notable activists and women of color. Yeah, so. who have been protesting and marching for years and have been organizing in the community. So I think that, you know, at least for me, like as a complete civilian and somebody who is not actually like used to protesting, it was really encouraging and it felt like it was a very authentic conversation in the way that that happened, and it felt like it was really intentional in the way that they were trying to steer that. The whole process has been incredibly intentional. Mm-hmm. And I think the really beautiful thing about it is just because of the nature of its origin and Bob really recognizing immediately that women of color needed to lead the way on this march in light of the fact that feminism has often failed women of color, but in closer proximity you know, the 53% of white women that that voted Republican. One thing, one thing that I have really been encouraged by as well is the ways that the whole team organizing the march has engaged with this dialogue as well. I mean, I didn't totally love the way the conversation was characterized in the New York Times article, but like in terms of what I have come across, dialogue between people I know, you know, videos and back and forths that, that have been shared, I've been really heartened by that. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about being intentional about those conversations and beyond just who is organizing this, like the ways that you're thinking about inclusivity and and intersectionality. Yeah, I think from the very beginning, I I came on on the second day. Bob and I are friends from the fashion world. And um, 
from the very beginning, there was this rumor that it was a white feminist thing. And I know her personally, and I know that that was not her, her intention. So I started to sort of get engaged on Facebook. And there was a lot of anger, I think, at the beginning because of this. And I think we needed to get on there and say to people, this anger is coming from somewhere, and it needs to be validated, and it needs to be discussed. And we had a lot of complaints from women of color who were saying that they were shut down, that like their posts were being taken off. And it was very, we really wanted to find a space for for that conversation to happen because it needs to happen. I think that if we pretend it's it's not it's not important, then that's not helping anything. And I think that it's been super important to say that we need to find ways to to hear everybody's voices as much as possible. So we've been very intentional in terms of in terms of engaging with organizations that are very diverse. I have been on calls with women of color organizations and we've been wanting to hear where we could improve and what and what we could be doing better with them. So it's the entire process has been super intentional, even in the even in the organizations that we've been partnering with as well. This is Sarah Sophie. I would just add, I didn't love the the framing of that New York Times piece either. But the thing that I find heartening is just the word when it comes to this march. I feel like I love that you just said that, Anne, because it's been the word I've been using as well. I've been working in the feminist space for over 20 years, and um, this is by far the most intersectional women's moment I've ever had. And I feel like we're calling them courageous conversations. I feel like just by the nature of, you know, the lead up to the election, the racism, the misogyny, the xenophobia, all of it, the breakdown of who ended up voting in the election, and then the genesis of this march has not even forced us. It's just intentionally created these courageous conversations. And so they're playing out in real time as we're organizing. When when you see the program at the rally, you will see how intersectional and intentional it is. I mean, that is the focus of everything we're, we're doing right now. I as a feminist, understand the failings of feminism. We had Gloria Steinem in the office yesterday. Gloria was just breaking some shit down, and she was like, listen. She knows. She knows. <laughs> and she she said, if it's white feminism, then it's not feminism. Yeah. And that's correct. You know, yeah. I think the thing that, the you know, that um, gets swept under the carpet sometimes is women are 50%, over 50% of the population. Um there is no issue that isn't a woman's issue. So so I'm wondering to that end, you know, you mentioned this idea of like, what is a women's issue or the idea that like every woman's set of women's issues are very different. Um, I'm wondering if there is a specific policy set of asks or like demands that are, um, you know, that are more directed by the organizing committee or like a slate, a slate of this is why we're in the streets. Have you have you thought about doing that? Does it exist? It's funny you should mention it, Anne, <laughs> <laughs> because so we have what we're calling tables. Our policy table is comprised of it's about 15 to 20 experts in all the various fields. And we will be marching with policy points and demands, everything from the obvious reproductive justice criminal justice reform, paid family leave, immigration reform, you know, advocating for families to stay together to um, Islamophobia, you just, that's just to touch on a few, you just start to see how 
they all intersect and how, um, you know, we just got to take every woman with us when we smash the patriarchy. I feel like Roxanne Gay said that. So <laughs> I'm just going to give it to her. Is the organizing committee going to share these with people before the march so that um, like we because I know that the website has been like um, kind of the place to go for everything. Mm-hmm. Womensmarch.com. Yes, it'll be shared on the website and there will be a press release hopefully this week. So let's say that you are, it's like, now you know what the march is about. You're super energized. You bought your plane ticket to D.C. You, like, already know who you're crashing with. Like, you've known that since November 9th. What are the next things? So you need people to go on the website. Is there, like, an official place to RSVP so everybody knows, like, who you are? What's the the marching 101? How do you stay engaged when you're on the ground? We have an event, Bright, and we're asking everybody to go on there just so that we can get pretty good idea of like how many people are coming. Um, how many do you have right now? I would say we have about close to 200,000, would you say, Sarah Sophie? Yeah, I mean, so the, the womensmarch.com page is always being updated. There's a bus registry, which is uber important. Everyone needs to register their buses. And once you register your buses, they will tell you where you're parking and and give you all the information you need about that. The buses are for people who are organizing their own transportation to the march, correct? Okay. And is there, uh, if you do not have a way to get to the march, is there also a place to figure that out um, to organize with people or should you self-organize? Well, the states are also organizing on their own. So if at this point, if you don't have a way to get to D.C., I think that the best bet would be to connect with the state admins and see if there are any seats on any buses. And if and if you're in D.C., it's also pretty easy to get there. So um, on my end, we've been we've been really encouraging teens who are in D.C. to to get to the march as well as much as possible. I mean, I would say if at this point, you you don't know how you're getting there. Yeah, go to the Facebook state pages and give a shout out to some buses. But also, if you, if you are planning on driving, parking in a neighboring suburb would be the way to go and take the metro in. And I've also been hearing people say that you should buy your metro pass beforehand. Oh, I keep meaning to do I that. Don't know yes, you can order them online. Former oh, wow. DC resident here. I need to get that going. <laughs> Does for it myself. come in the mail for you, or do you? Mm-hmm. Oh, it wow. comes in the mail, but they're pretty easy to buy too. I just wouldn't buy them close to the yeah. March. Yeah, then. And then the other question I have is for people who cannot make the march. What's the deal with all the like New York City marches and the, like all of the regional ones that are happening? Are they all affiliated with the Women's March or um, are they just like expressions of solidarity in other places? I think that that's um, like that's the main question that I've gotten a lot from a lot of people. And it's been really kind of confusing to suss out what the deal is. Some of them, um, they're all in solidarity with our march. They are marching with us. It's great for the cities that are like further away, like Cali and so forth, for those people who can't make it to the march to to be able to go to like a local march. Mm-hmm. But we are asking people from New York as much as possible, if you can make it to DC, to please make it to DC because we need as many people there as possible. Anne, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I'm just wondering if there's anything that we're missing out on or anything that's really important to you guys as you're organizing or any needs you have. Like, you know, yeah. for someone listening to this who wants to chip in with 
a variety of skills? Like what are what are the asks that you're sort of putting out right now? I mean, our number one ask is, of course, go to the donate page on Facebook or on the website and donate even if it's five bucks, if you can do it, because we are fundraising for everything from porta potties, hopefully to hand warmers. We'll see for us. <laughs> uh, can I say something? Yeah. This is why it's really important that people RSVP. I think people don't understand this. It's like for every new like 50,000 that RSVP, that means more of everything. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, people need more, more money. Porta potties. They need more porta potties. Yeah. They need Get more jumbotron. Yeah. They need more everything. Yes. So it's like and, the yes, be kind RSVP. And if you can afford to, give Please some donate. money. Yeah, yes. I mean, we're all volunteering and working around the clock, and it's been a great joy. But I know that there's a lot of things that we're skimping on, and right. we could use the help. There is a volunteer sign-up mm-hmm. on the website. So if you have a skill, volunteer it. We might reach out. We've been reaching out to all sorts of folks. We have a hashtag why I march, mm-hmm. and you can make a video Give a shout out to what you're marching for, who you're marching for, what it means to you to march, and you can throw it up on your social media page. And if you tag Why I March and Women's March, we will like it, and we will also try to post it if we can, if it's really great. What else? We want men to march. We want men to know. We want This is an all-are-welcome march. Uh, Men are welcome. Gender nonconforming, of course, everyone is welcome. And kids are welcome, but that is a personal choice right. that you have to make. Right. I'm bringing my kids. I have your, three. Your kids have been to more marches than I can it, dream of. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They'd be pissed if I didn't bring them. them. They'd be like, <laughs> you went and marched without me? We do have a parents page on Facebook. So um, we're trying to put up information that's relevant to um, parents bringing their kids. But we are advising them to think about everything if you're bringing your kids, especially the younger ones. Because um, think about like the weather and the stuff that you want to pack for the kids, like snacks and so forth and diapers and that sort of thing. But think of it as like a mass event. Like if you're going to like a huge football game or something like that, I would say. But we're not encouraging big bags. Yeah, right. Wear a fanny pack. They're cute. They're coming back. <laughs> I, I know. Heard. I have one. I saw Rihanna in a fanny pack. See? Fanny packs are back and maybe merch for next quarter. Oh, my God. A fanny pack. A oh, CYG fanny pack. Yes. yes. A CYG oh, bag yes. for protesting and clubbing. Yeah, you could have one and light hook on it to like hook a water bottle. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that would be perfect. I love that. Well, this has been really enlightening. I'm really excited for the CYG crew that will be out protesting. Be safe, have fun, be really angry, find all your people, and meet excellent people while you're out there. Yeah, this is what the movement's all about. This is. I keep quoting Hamilton by mistake and I didn't even realize it, but this is (laughs) not just a moment. This is a movement, you guys. Like, come on, get out there, show up in in mass and let this be the biggest rally slash march slash counter. We're not calling it a protest. Mm -hmm. Counter action that the first day of any administration administration has ever seen. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. That's awesome. Um, and the website is womensmarch.com. And yes. we're at Women's March on Instagram and Twitter. Perfect. Um, and the hashtag yes. is um, Why March. I March. Women's March, Why I March. And hashtag Women's March Wednesday. 
And thank you for all your hard work in um, in planning this. I will I will see you both in DC. I awesome. can't wait. Come and find us, Anne. You can find us many places on the internet, including our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download this podcast anywhere you like to listen to podcasts or on iTunes, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us or find us on Instagram at callyrgf or email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Look it up. Um, You can leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. This podcast is produced by Gina Delvac with an assist from Argo Studios. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. (laughs) Um, I got fake friends reading fake news to me. Straight up to my face. (laughs) 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 that's like all i've been thinking about ever since he said you are fake news bye see you on the internet bye see you on the internet boo boo